Hello and welcome to the Master of Demon Gorge podcast. Today we're talking about Hulian Bo Bo and the capital in the middle of nowhere. Don't know if you all saw this, but with the flooding in Beijing and surrounding areas a few weeks ago, it came out. Or I suppose it wasn't a secret before, but I didn't know about it. That the PRC government has been building a sort of secondary capital in a new area called Xiong'an, some distance away from Beijing. And the way the water was diverted supposedly had a lot to do with protecting this newly constructed town at the expense of other nearby locations considered less important. Well. Whatever the deal is with Xiong'an, the fact is that changing capitals, even to newly built cities in the middle of nowhere, is not that unusual in the annals of world history. Myanmar moved its capital from Yangon to Naypyidaw, an entirely planned city built only since 2002. Kazakhstan moved its capital from. Cosmopolitan Almaty to the windswept former fortress town Astana in 1997. A range of cities have been used as capitals of different political regimes in the course of Chinese history, of course. But for the most part, a handful of cities have served that role on a kind of rotating schedule. Today, I want to talk about a fairly unusual situation in which a ruler decided to build a new capital in the middle of nowhere from scratch, not unlike what the Burmese government has done. The time period we're talking about today is the Wei Jing North and South dynasties. More specifically, we're talking about the period in northern China known as Wuhu Shiliuguo. The five barbarian races and their sixteen kingdoms, defined as three o four until four thirty nine A.D. As you can imagine, sixteen kingdoms in a period of one hundred thirty five years meant a great deal of chaos, and it can be hard to keep track of the rotating cast of kingdoms. As for the five so called Barbarian races. Well, one of them was the Han Dynasty's old adversary, the famous Shunwu people, possibly at least related to the Huns who later invaded Europe under their leader Attila. And the protagonist of our story today was a member of the Shunwu nation. In fact, Hulian Bobo, born in 381 A.D. Was a descendant of a Chanyu or chieftain of the southern branch of the Shunwu, and his father, grandfather, and great grandfather were all tribal leaders. And apparently, he was notably attractive—a tall, handsome, and muscular specimen of a man. His grandfather had led their tribe to join the kingdom of Hou Zhao, or later Zhao. His father wavered between the kingdoms of Dai and Qianqing, or former Qing. And after the great king of Qianqing, Fujian, 
destroyed the Dai. He joined the former Qing and was assigned a city called Dailai to defend. This place today would fall within Inner Mongolia. Now, this king, Fu Jian, you may recall, was the one who led northern China in an attempt to invade the south, which at this time was the eastern Jing dynasty, the portion of China still ruled by the Han Chinese. And the Jing leader Xie An and his officers managed to defeat him in one of the greatest upsets in Chinese military history. That was in 383. After that, the former Qing began to decline, arriving at total destruction in 394. Before that final denouement, in 391, the Bei Wei or Northern Wei Kingdom attacked the city of Dailai. Young He Lian Bo Bo, 10 years old at this time, saw his father get killed and his city sacked. He ran to another tribe, led by a leader named Shigan Tai Xifu. The area where this tribe was based, incidentally, would become the city of Yan'an in the province of Shanxi, which in the 1930s became the base of the Chinese Communist Party. Anyway, so Shigan Tai Xifu took in the young He Lian Bo Bo. But then, Envoys from the Northern Wei came looking for the boy. So, Shigan Tai Xifu sent him to the kingdom of Houqing, or later Qing, to a lord of the Xianbei people called Mo Yiyu, who in turn married his daughter to He Lian Bo Bo. Shigan Tai Xifu ended up paying dearly for his act of benevolence the Northern Wei, badly annoyed that they didn't get the boy, attacked his tribe, killing many of his people and forcibly taking away the rest of them, including his family. Meanwhile, over in the later Qing, He Lian Bo Bo rose up the ranks, becoming a general at a young age. In 407 AD, when he was 26, He Lian Bo Bo decided to turn against the later Qing. Apparently, this was because he resented diplomacy between the later Qing and the Northern Wei. So he assassinated his own benefactor and father-in-law, Mo Yiyu, and took command of his forces. Then he declared himself a great king and a great Chan Yu, of the new kingdom of Da Xia, or Great Xia. He Lian Bo Bo then led his new kingdom into war against both the kingdom of Nanliang, or Southern Liang, and the later Qing, defeating both with sometimes guerrilla tactics. After a major victory against the Southern Liang, he ordered his troops to pile up the skulls of the enemy dead into a tower for him to admire. So, fair to say he wasn't a particularly nice man. Perhaps this is as good a place as any 
to also mention that he was quick to maim or kill anyone in his service who dared to challenge him, to laugh at him, or to try to give him unwelcome advice. In fact, if anyone so much as looked at him in the eyes, he had them blinded. Then in 413, Helian Bobo did the thing that made me want to talk about him today. He ordered the construction of a new capital city. The spot he chose was in the far northern edge of what is now the province of Shanxi, almost within Inner Mongolia. And he had chosen it basically because he had ridden past it and thought that the spot was lovely. Perhaps it was. It was on the bank of a river and offered ample pasture. It was grassland. But it was in the middle of nowhere, inaccessible and far from any existing urban centers. And not only was it in the middle of nowhere, but the spot was actually very close to the borders of Helian Bobo's old enemy, the kingdom of Northern Wei. But Helian Bobo was not to be deterred. He sent over a hundred thousand men to construct the new city. And he had them test the quality of the city walls by drilling into them. If the drills could make more than an inch into the walls, the workers who built them would be killed, and their bodies would then be used as construction material as they continued to build further walls. The whole city took over four years to complete, and Helian Bobo named it the city of Tongwan, literally to rule over 10,000. Over four years to build, so it was 417 when they finished. In that same year, the Eastern Qing Dynasty, that's the regime of the Han Chinese huddling in southern China, managed to defeat and destroy the later Qing. The Eastern Qing general, a man named Liu Yu, sent an envoy to go to meet with Helian Bobo, seeking cooperation between their two regimes. Now, Helian Bobo was, how do you say, an untutored barbarian. But he possessed a great deal of native intelligence, and he didn't want to come across as uneducated in front of the envoy of the Eastern Qing, those annoyingly civilized Han Chinese who liked to write flowery letters and essays and poems to each other. He had a secretary who was good with all that literary Chinese stuff, so he had the secretary write a letter in response to the Qing diplomatic letter in the best classical Chinese. And then he memorized the whole letter. Then, in the presence of the Eastern Qing envoy, he pretended to draft the reply letter on the spot and have the secretary take down his dictation. The envoy fell for the trick and went back to General Liu Yu and reported this incident, reported how Helian Bobo, the barbarian king, spoke in perfectly formed paragraphs 
chock full of classical allusions. Liu Yu was suitably or stupidly impressed. But we have to admit, to memorize an essay-length document in a language you can barely speak, with all kinds of phrases you don't understand, is some sort of an intellectual feat in itself. But in any event, despite the diplomacy between the two sides, now He Lianbobo decided to attack that area in southern Shanxi that the eastern Qing regime had just taken from the now-fallen later Qing. He Lianbobo and his great Xiao won, and eastern Qing forces withdrew so that He Lianbobo now took control of the city of Chang'an, today's city of Xi'an. Now, as you may know, the city of Chang'an was an ancient capital of China. It was the capital during the Western Zhou Dynasty. It served as capital during the Qing Dynasty. It served as capital during the Western Han Dynasty. And it would go on to be capital again during the Tang Dynasty. And so, at this time, many of his ministers advised him to stay and to make Chang'an the capital. But this was in 418, shortly after the 100,000 workers up north had finished building his brand new capital, Tongwan. At this time, again, despite it being in the middle of nowhere, He Lianbobo insisted on making Tongwan his capital. Ironically, his reasoning apparently was that it had to be the capital, not despite of being close to the enemy lines, but because of it. If he didn't go up to defend it, He Lianbobo said, then the Northern Way could easily take it from him. Which, again, begs the question of why he built it in that spot in the first place. Anyway, so he carried out his plan and made Chang'an a sort of southern administrative center while putting his capital in Tongwan. None of it much mattered. In 424, Great Xia fell into civil war when He Lianbobo wanted to abandon his existing crown prince in favor of a younger son, leading to the elder son to launch a war against his younger brother, and killing him. Then in 425, He Lian died. Two years after that, in 427, the Northern Wei attacked and sacked He Lian precious capital, Tongwan, a city at this time only ten years old. And his kingdom, the Great Xia, fell completely by 431, with He Lian son and successor being captured and taken to Northern Wei for execution. So much, then, for He Lian and the great Xia. What of the city? Well, after conquest by the Northern Wei, it became a provincial city. Its importance waned during the Sui dynasty in the early 7th century, when the empire abolished the governorship located there. In 628, though, the Tang dynasty restored the governorship, 
only to abolish it again in 742. In the late 9th century, the Tang Emperor gave the area to the leaders of the Tangut people as their fiefdom. The Tangut people, who would go on to found the Tangut or Sisha kingdom in the 11th century. Meanwhile, though, the influx of residents during the Sui and Tang dynasties and the farming that they brought led to desertification. The pasture that He Bobo once saw and liked so much in the 5th century was no more. In 994, when the Song dynasty under Emperor Taizong took control of the city from the Tangut people, Taizong decided that there was no point in holding onto a city in the middle of the desert. He ordered the city destroyed and its residents relocated. Later, the Xixia kingdom of the Tangut people reclaimed and rebuilt the city, but then it fell to the Mongols in 1226, who badly damaged it in the process of conquest. By the early Ming dynasty in the 14th century, the city was abandoned a second time, this time for good. Gradually, the sand covered it until only some ruined walls still stuck out. So much so, in fact, that in 1845, Qing dynasty officials had to go and survey the area to verify that it really was the erstwhile city of Tongwen. Well, that is what sometimes happens to grandiose capital cities artificially planned in places where they arguably don't belong. Thinking of no particular contemporary examples, I'm sure. On that note, This has been MODG. Thank you for listening.